and welcome back to another episode of the Boston Sports Extra Podcast, Celtics Edition. My name is Travis Babcock, and I am joined here by my fellow Celtics analyst, John Vogel. How's it going, John? Travis, it's going great. Oh, my God, some of these people with their bases around in this area. <laughs> but outside of that, everything's great. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, we have a lot of great content here to discuss um, heading into game one of the season on the 16th year. But uh, first, I'd just like to thank SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. SeatGeek is the leading sports engine for sports, concert, theater, and live entertainment tickets. SeatGeek is offering $20 off your first purchase of, for the listeners of our show when you use the code BSE at checkout. Oh, John, we got a, we got a lot to talk about here. The preseason is over. We The Celtics finished one and three. Ouch. Is it time to panic? I mean, it is the preseason, Travis. Um, we call it the preseason for a reason, because it's before the actual regular season. Preseasons are generally designed for teams to knock out kinks. Um, kind of get to play together, especially when you have a bunch of new players. Uh, that's Just throwing them into the fire is never a great deal, a great idea, nor is it ideal. But uh, you just want to... You don't want to take too much away from the preseason because some players have it turned on. Other players are kind of reserving. You know, there might be a player that's nursing an injury. He's not going to play 100% if it doesn't matter. I mean, that's some players don't play 100% in the regular season. Mm. Hashtag Golden State. But, (laughs) I mean, point is, it's the preseason. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Now, if they start one and three over the first four games... You know that we talked. We talked about that. I believe it was the last episode uh, with that schedule. I'm gonna start. To, I'm gonna start to wonder just a little bit. Like maybe the chemistry we're thinking with this team isn't as strong as we initially thought. I think that's fair. I mean, I think a lot. I think the Celtics team has so much expectations, you know, behind them, and they're the talk of the pre the off season, you know, with getting Gordon Hayward back and how they were so close to making the NBA Finals last year. I think they took this preseason a little bit too nonchalantly. And if, I know that preseason is more of a warm-up, but if you don't at least get some fine-tuning in there in that warm-up, you're going to be hitting that the, that early part of that first regular season pretty rough. You know, like you got to – this is the time, like you said, for a tune-up. Um, and you got to utilize that tune-up. I feel like they didn't really utilize it. They kind of took too many, too many shots. It was more of like a joke to them, I think, because I think they're taking this expectations and almost like, they're like expecting to win before walking in the game without actually doing the work to get it done. Um, I'm not super concerned. Like you said, it is preseason. Um, so not time to panic yet, but if they, if Brad Stevens doesn't start, you know, doesn't whip them into shape here before the season starts, it's going to be a rough early go for this team. Yeah. And I can agree with that for the most part, but I mean, did you see Kyrie attacking the basket? Hmm. Kyrie looked great. Kyrie was awesome, but he only played in two games. Or, what are you playing? Two games, right? He missed the last two games, game. right. And yeah. they, the last two games they were playing against a Cavs team that were walking into their first two preseason games themselves that are now LeBronless for the first time since, what, 2012, 2013? Mm-hmm. So, like, they, they, have the, they have the chip on their shoulder. They're going out there trying to prove that they're going to still be a competitive team in the East without LeBron. Whether they actually are once the regular season starts, I mean, that's highly debatable. 
I mean, Colin Sexton's looked really good so far, but that's beside the point. We, they, they had a reason to be playing all out. Boston really doesn't at this point. You know, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are both coming back from injuries. And then we talked about the bright spots last episode, too. And I've been talking about it, you know, on, on the website as well. Just Marcus Morris was hitting threes. I mean, this defense, when they were focused in the first couple quarters, looked good at times. You know, at other, other times they, they flat out fell apart, but that's okay. Because, it's again, it's the preseason. I, I think there were still a whole lot of positives, and the scoreboard in preseason doesn't matter too much. There's some positives. There's always some positives. I, you know, I agree with you. I think more than anything, their offense um, played very well. Uh, a little bit more, a um, little better than I actually expected going into the preseason. But uh, I do think that there will be a point early on in the season where there's going to be a realization period. I think they're going to get hit with a hard, rough stretch where they're going to realize that nothing in this week is given to them. And I think that right now, the way ESPN and all these big, giant media outlets are talking about them. They think they can walk into these games, and if they come in thinking the game's over before it starts, they're gonna have be, you know, in for a rude awakening. And I think you know we're so blessed to have Brad Stevens as a head coach, and I think he's gonna get this team, you know, on the right ship early on. But I do expect somewhere early on in the season, um, mm-hmm. based on what we saw in the preseason, I I don't think it's time to panic, but I would say that it there's gonna be a stretch in the early in the season. Um. Let's talk about some takeaways from the preseason while we're at it. Uh, do you have any any outstanding things you noticed you saw from the team? Positives, negatives? I, I, I loved Marcus Morris. Uh, I've never been a big Morris Twins fan. You know, I, honestly, when he came to Boston, I thought it was, a, it was an overrated move. I thought people were overreacting. And for the most part, <clears throat> for the most part, I had been right in my, in my humble and uh, unbiased opinion, but Morris, I think really has turned it on here in the preseason. I mean, he was, he's been drilling threes. He's really been almost the team's leading scorer every night coming off the bench, playing, playing the bench minutes. I I've liked him so far. I thought he looked really good. And with him being the leader of, you know, the bench, especially if Terry Rozier and Marcus smart, don't step up. I mean, this guy's experienced. He's been playing in the NBA for years. Almost a decade. Like, I like this guy. He's done well. Man, we're, got, we're talking polar opposites of the spectrum here. You know, you come in, you know, big Marcus Morris guy calling him for the sixth man of the year, and I'm over here, like, boycotting him off the team, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I liked when they would get into a, the, the, uh, the other team get into a run. There was a few times the run started, and, you know, they went down from being down one to down eight. And then all of a sudden, Morris hits a three. And they're right back in it. And they go score another one. That, I saw that several times in the preseason. And to me, that's promising. When you have a guy like that who can cut off a run and kind of get some momentum going for your team, I think that's really important, you know? And that's why I've liked Marcus Morris so much this year. He, I will tell you that statistically speaking, yeah, he looked like the best player on this team this preseason. I mean, he was out there taking full advantage of his opportunity, and he, he of all people on that bench, needs to prove himself to Brad Stevens because if there's a guy who's losing minutes on that bench with Gordon Hayward back, it's probably going to be Marcus Morris. So he's out there doing what he can to show Brad 
that he still has what it takes to get it done, even at his age and everything, you know, with the new roster um, situation. And I agree with you. I mean, he, he did his best. I mean, he's, he's solidified his role, I think, with this team moving forward, especially for what he did in the preseason. Um, oh, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about Robert Williams a little bit. Um, I, I, I know that his numbers won't jump at you, four and a half points, two boards a game. But when he, he only played 10 minutes a game. So when he got in, in, the, in the game, I thought he played really well. He played really hard. First off, that's my first one I take from him. I wasn't expecting that, you know, from a guy who had all these character issues coming in. He was hustling his ass off out there. Above average passer, definitely better than advertised, I thought. Um, and surprisingly good basketball instincts, I thought. I thought he made a lot of the right decisions and reads on, like, backdoor cuts and whatnot. Um, and then, he, of course, he had that game ceiling block in uh, game two against Charlotte. What did you think of Robert Williams? I mean, I told you guys before. I watched him play at Texas A&M. Mm. You know, it was that very first game of the year last year. It was on ESPN. They were playing West Virginia. West Virginia was the ranked team going into the game. They had Javon Carter, Jr., who was supposed to be one of the best def- defenders, and he was a senior. West Virginia was supposed to take the next step and be one of the most competitive teams in the Big 12. And he was he was a solid force in shutting him down. That's when Robert Williams got on my radar. Uh, he was ex- extremely athletic and explosive, especially on the fast break. And there was no reason for me to believe he wasn't going to be that in the NBA. Honestly, when he dropped as far as he did in the draft, I was shocked. Should have gone earlier. Should have been you, a top 20 pick. Would you say that based on his performance in the preseason in the limited time he got – I know that he's expected to play a lot of G League time, but would you say that he's he may force his way into the rotation based on what we saw? Yeah, oh, yeah. Look, Horford, Al Horford is going to see his minutes drop this year. He's hitting that age where he's plateaued. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to start to decline, you know, his, his health and everything. When you have a guy that is Al Horford's size, twice as athletic and twice as explosive around the basket – why wouldn't you play this guy? I know. I mean, I know you've got Aaron Baines who can play that. I know people have been talking about uh, is it Daniel Tice, right? Mm-hmm. Who hasn't looked this, great, by the way? No, he hasn't. Yeah. You've got this guy here. He's a rookie. He's your first round pick. Yeah, he missed some time with the. You know, he didn't. He missed the plane, and I think he missed the plane twice, if I recall correctly, trying to get to Boston. But this guy is explosive on the court. There's no reason not to play him. Yeah, I mean he's he's freakishly athletic for this guy. It's just, you know of his size, DeAndre Jordan 2.0 out there. Um, so, you know we'll see we'll see you know what Brad does. I, season goes like, I feel like he's a better scorer than Jordan is. DeAndre Jordan is a really good rebounder, and that's kind of where he's made his money in the league uh, is dominating the board. I, I think Robert Williams is a better scorer. I think – I don't know, man. It's tough. They, he's really limited with a jump shot. He does not have a jump shot, period. But he, he – you put him around the basket, tell, tell Joel Embiid to stop him. <laughs> I mean, he's big and he's, and he's physical and he's, and he's athletic, but he needs to get post moves in order to actually score around guys like Joel Embiid. That's my only thing. I don't know if he's got the post moves yet. That's teachable. I mean, that's coachable. That's coachable, but I don't think he's there yet offensively. He's practicing with with one of the greatest uh, uh, basket attackers in the game. 
I think his name's Kyrie Irving, by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's the guy that will help him with with footwork in the post necessarily, and I don't think Al Horford is either. I don't really think there's a player necessarily in this team that's going to teach him about footwork because we don't have a post a traditional post player who does get buckets around the limb like a guy like Joel Embiid or Anthony Davis. Um, but it is coachable. I don't think he has a jump shot. I think if he gets his footwork up, I think you're right as far as, far as offense, but I don't think he's there yet. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, we talked. You mentioned defense. I wanted to go over that a little bit. Uh, I thought the defense was pretty darn poor. I thought that was the weakest point of this team this, uh, this preseason. They actually gave up 107 points per game in the four games. And I know that if there's an area on the court that teams slack on in the preseason, it's defense. Because, like, how hard are they really going to go in the preseason? And that's the area mm-hmm. that they're going to give up. Um, but they need to continue to make their identity on the defensive side of the ball. Like, they have to. That is, They were the underdogs last year. They play with that underdog mentality. They played hard every single defensive possession. And that's why they were the number one ranked defense in the league last year is because they – they prided themselves on that end of the court. And I hope, you know, and pray that they're going to keep that identity on that side of the ball. I mean, why wouldn't they? Right. At the same time, this is, this is a, a serious offensive team. You know, um, Jason Tatum is really starting to come into his own. Jalen Brown was the team's top scorer, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the preseason. Not, not Kyrie. Yeah, you're right. Not yeah. Gordon Hayward. Not Al Horford. Not it was Jalen Brown. And it wasn't Jason Tatum either. It wasn't your boy. But uh, this is a this is a serious offense. So why why wouldn't they pride themselves on defense? You know what I mean? Like again, this this is a really serious offensive team. But there's no reason for them to let up on the defense, especially with Brad Stevens, who's arguably the best defensive coach in the league, you know, when it comes to the half court. So, like, I mean, yeah, you're not going to play defense straight up as hard as you can in the preseason because there's no point to it. It's preseason. So I think realistically, Art, you could expect that to drop, you know, anywhere from five to ten points a game on average. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to – I hope that I, you can chalk it up to just effort. You know, it seems like it's just effort. Um, and, I mean, it makes sense with preseason. But uh, with the new offensive weapons this team has, it's very easy for a team like this to be susceptible to reverting from a defensive team to an offensive team. Golden State, early in their years before KD arrived, was a defensive team. They were the number one defensive team in the league, uh, I believe – the year they went 73-9. and nine. After that, they fell off significantly. Sure, they're the best team in the league and they can do what they want, but there is something that's to say about teams who tend to want to shoot a lot. When this team shoots a lot, they're going to give up a lot on the defensive end of the court, which is what has made them so good over these last few years. So, sure, if, right. they're, being, if they're scoring a lot and they're putting up buckets and they can outscore people, that's one thing, but they don't want I trust me, man, they do not want to get away from their identity on that defensive side of the ball. So we'll see. We'll see when the season starts. But um, it's up to Brad. It's up to Brad to bring him back up to par there. 
Um, and I wanted to talk about the offense, John. What you you had a lot of uh, bright spots to say about this offense. So, what are you what are you seeing from them so far? Well, first off, Kyrie's attacking the basket, mm-hmm. like like old Kyrie. You know, pre-injury Kyrie. Uh man, you for it's just when you see some of his moves and you you realize how good he really is, and how you just forget. We've forgotten how good Kyrie was. You know those first few years in Cleveland. They're, they're shooting the three pretty well, I thought, for the most part. From Then again, from what I've seen, you know, I don't look so much at the stats all the time. I'm more of a film guy. I like to watch and kind of... You, you can kind of feel when a team is shooting well. These guys were shooting well. Um, sure, they, they the only thing is you wonder about some of the... Um, the, 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 the spots they'll go into, the cold spots. You know, they'll go into a cold streak and miss 10 or sometimes 15 straight, like we saw a couple times in the preseason. But, again, Marcus is hitting those threes. The bench looks really good when they come out there. Uh, Jalen Brown is coming into his own. Jason Tatum is going to be really good this year. Look, you just can't, you can't stop talking about this offense. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost they took a lot of shots, right? I mean, I we were talking that. about that last time. I remember yeah, they took they took more shots than anybody in the preseason. In fact, they took more shots than anybody since '09 took, you know, on average of across an entire game. So um, they shot a lot, and with that, it starts to become more of a make and miss team, and that's what scares me. Um, I thought that sometimes I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more pessimistic here on the on the offensive side of the ball and you can kind of see what bounced back for me here so uh I thought they settled a little bit too much I thought they took a lot of threes early in the shot clock without making the extra pass um which is not typical of a Brad Stevens led offense they're more of a typically a half half court set they like to rotate around rotate around find the right guy make the right basketball play they weren't doing that this preseason I also felt like at the other times opposite side of the spectrum here I felt like that, that sometimes they were passing the ball too much without attacking the paint. And that's an issue that has plagued Boston you know, teams in the past few years where they mm-hmm. will continue to pass the ball around, which is great, but there's no dribble drive. There's no, there's no attacking the rim and then dishing out to like make that, make that defense switch and actually cause, you know, find the, the weak link in the chain and get a good shot. And I felt like there was times where they were either shooting too fast or passing around without any penetration. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Kyrie didn't play in the last two games because, like you said, Kyrie was looking great. He was looking like his old self, if not better. I think he's the guy who will be that dribble drive guy to actually initiate offense. But without Kyrie on the court, they are going to have some work to do. I can agree with that assessment for the most part. Um, they, You are right. They, they weren't really so much focusing on attacking the paint, and that is – that's something that we need to see Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum really, really try to specialize in, so to speak, with this offense. You know, sort of a role that he should play because he is that big physical presence. You know, six nine, foreboding, what two, two forty. You know, like you need that guy attacking the basket. He needs to be driving in, especially when you're going to be playing a physical big team like you know the Seventy Sixers. Well, but. Uh, him Brown and Gordon Hayward, all three of those guys can do that. Oh no, no, no! I agree, but 
you're talking if i if i'm not mistaken you're talking about a physical presence attacking the paint exactly you know that that's the guy on this team that is that physical presence that has that build to be that in, yeah. in my opinion yeah and we just we just simply didn't see it we just didn't see it jason tatum you know specifically was taking a lot of bad shots um he was god he was he's my boy but he was shooting terribly <laughs> in the season man like may i don't know maybe he just wasn't taking it seriously enough maybe we just out there just goofballing around but like I think he was heat checking a lot. Some of the shots he was taking, he was heat checking. Yeah, he was taking he was taking Carmel Anthony shots out there. I don't want to sit here and rag on my boy Jason Tatum, but he was pulling up, you know, with a foot on the line, you know, with a guy in his face, and like that's not Brad Stevens. He's not going to settle. He's not going to make let Brett, let Jason Tatum shoot that shot in the regular. Right. Um, uh, I I think a lot of times. The teams don't want to really show what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, especially if you're if you have a new plan that you're going to try to run, you know, something new. Which Brad Stevens is a master at putting together a game plan. He's yes. sort of you know a Bill Belichick or a Sean McVay of the NBA, you know. So like, I, I have no doubt that he has something up his sleeve, and he may not want to drop it, you know. Yet he he wants to it, it to wait. Because these guys are talking about, well, you know, as if they are the best team in Boston history with the way they're talking about their practices and stuff. See, that's what scares me. That's what's that right there is what terrifies me about this team this year. They, but if you sure. look, if you look at the numbers and you look at everything, this is the best team Boston's if, really ever put together. Talent and wise. young. Yeah, exactly. Talent wise. That's what I'm saying. Talent-wise, you're correct, hundred percent correct. But when you, mm, it's it's like when you take expectations and you put it. Not everybody can handle expectations well. There's teams, there's players, and there's organizations who struggle with having high expectations. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I know all about that. So what? <laughs> we haven't <laughs> talked about this before. You're a Cowboy fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I know all about busted expectations. Oh my I know all. I can talk about this for days. But, you know, you take – if this team – sure, fans and analysts can say that this team is the best team ever assembled by a Boston Celtics franchise. Sure. But if they start getting that into their heads and they start – like I told you, I've repeated this over and over in this, this pod. If they start getting into their heads, man, like, like they can walk into anybody's court and if the game is over before it freaking tip-off starts, they are going to struggle this season because teams – they have a huge target on the back right now. Everybody, analysts across the country are saying this team is the second favorite to win the, win the win at all, correct? Yeah. Okay. They're the favorites out of the East. They haven't done anything yet. Game one hasn't even tipped off, and they're already being dubbed as finals, you know, cha- you know, contestants with the Warriors. They have to get there. They have to actually go out and do it. And if they keep hearing these, these positive praises and they take it, and they run with it, and they they think that they can't that they just it's gonna give hand it to them. They're in for a rude awakening, man. And that's kind of my point. That's what scares me about this team going into the season. Am I think I right? it's promising that they're talking like this. I mean, <laughs> why is that? Do you want to hear the guys say, "Yeah, no, 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 you guys, 
the analysts and everybody are totally overestimating our team. Like, you know, we're not that good. Well, Boston has always been an underdog team. I mean, last year when Gordon Hayward went out five minutes into the season. Not that, you know, you can't say always because we have too many banners hanging up. And we <laughs> Always since, since the Brad Stevens era. How about that? Okay, okay. I, I can agree with that. Right? They had five minutes of expectations last year. They had five minutes. Five minutes. When this season started last year, we were talking about them being contenders for the championship as well. Yeah. Five minutes in, done. I think the even exact quote from the uh, from the announcer who was watching that game, he said, and this is how quickly a season can change. That's what he said. Because five minutes into that game, Boston lost all expectations. Yeah. And yet again, they were underdogs. And they excelled at being underdogs. This is the first time, barring injury, that they will actually have to deal with expectations so as high as it is now. I I I mean I see your point. I just I think it's good that they're talking like that. You know, it's just they know what's been assembled. I don't think they weren't saying this kind of stuff before they, they were practicing. You know, it's like once they started practicing, they were like, Oh, dang it, look at how look at how we are just flowing out here. Mm-hmm. I almost guarantee you Brad Stevens has something up his sleeve. Because Boston generally does well in the preseason. You know, I think last year they were 4-1 and one or 3-1. and one. Yeah. The year before yeah. that, they were undefeated. You know, like, he has to have something up his sleeve that he's trying to hide. Yeah. I mean, he did say that he believes that they're not as good as advertised. And I think that's Brad Stevens doing what I'm trying to do and trying to bring them down to earth. That's my point. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys need to be brought down to earth a little bit. I think that's what Brad, when he said that quote after game four, he said, this team is not as good as advertised. And well, I think I mean, that's the point. He's trying to bring it down to reality. Well, the reality is they weren't as good as advertised. They were one and three in the preseason. Mm-hmm. That is the reality here. I mean, that's, I can't, I don't know, dude. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any other takeaways from preseason, or do you want to talk about some AD stuff, some Anthony Davis stuff? No, let's get into this Anthony Davis thing. Okay, cool. So um, this is a late addition to this podcast. Uh, we have some Anthony Davis rumors going around um, from Get More Sports' Chris Sheridan. Apparently he uh, talked with Anthony Davis, or he has some sort of connection with Anthony Davis, and he's saying that Anthony Davis is eyeing five teams when he hits free agency in 2021. So we're talking a couple years from now. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, Knicks, Sixers, and I guess according, I guess the Pelicans as well, and then the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are, according to Chris Sheridan, the leaders of the pack here. Um, no, no, just just sell it right now. It's the Lakers. He's going to the Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers have a long term plan for him, but is LeBron going to be even? I mean, is he going to be around in 2021? Is he going to be what he is now in 2021? You yeah, know, that's man. that's a hard – I know LeBron's great, but, I mean, at that point, AD would be signing up for an L.A. team with only, like, two years left of LeBron, and then he's back to where he was in, 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 uh, and with the Pelicans. So Yeah, um, David would be LeBron. Like They would be good for two years, but then he's stuck, he's stuck where he was. He's back to square one. I think that it makes sense that Boston – um, or even Philly would be the front runners in that situation. That team is so young, though. Mm. Lakers young. are young. They're look, young. look, 
I can almost guarantee you three years from now, we're going to see at least one Celtics and Lakers finals again. Like With Golden State still doing what they're doing? Well, how long can Golden State keep doing this? They're going to lose. They're going to probably lose KD and free agency. That's a bold statement. But they're and play. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could lose Draymond. I mean, I think more than anything, age will hit them. I don't know if Clay or Draymond will necessarily leave, but I guess by 2021 they might be a little bit older and probably tired out by all the miles they're going to be putting in, you know, on their legs between now and then. So I, I think Golden State could fall apart at the end of this offseason, especially if something goes wrong. And this Bookie Cousins being added to that lineup is could hurt rental. this. Oh, no, I understand he's a rental, yeah. but it could. He, he, look. How many times have we seen a general manager, a head coach, or a locker room fall apart that DeMarcus Cousins was a part of? I mean, every team he's been on. Excepting maybe the Pelicans here. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see. But, but he got hurt before he could really, really destroy that team. But, uh, and I mean, I mean, look, Anthony Davis even wore his number at the All-Star game because he couldn't be there. You know, and then and then he bolts and goes to the Warriors. You know, like Bookie is just—he's not a classy guy. Um, he's a bookie. He's going to be shady. He's going to be under the table. That's yeah, just who Bookie Cousins is. I agree with you. And I, he won't even be around by twenty twenty one. Let's be honest. Um, no, no, I know he won't. But I'm saying in the next couple of years here, I, even as, as soon as this year, we could see Golden State really just fall apart. Maybe we'll see. Teams, there are teams who do well. The San Antonio Spurs went to the playoffs twenty-one years in a row. So I mean, there are teams. I'm not saying that they. I'm not saying they wouldn't miss the playoffs. I'm just saying this dominant yeah. stretch that we've seen Golden State pull off could really be coming to a close finally. Well, so that's why you're you're saying L.A. could you know in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think L.A. Is, I, L.A. is a really really good. But I'm I'm sorry, I'm distracting us from the Celtics here. <laughs> no, we're good. It's okay to talk about other teams, especially when we're talking about Anthony Davis here. So you think that that the AD in, by 2021 will be a Los Angeles Laker? If you have a chance to go out there with a declining LeBron, take over his role on that team. Mm-hmm. That team, look, that team is young. I don't know how. I don't know if Josh Hart will still be around. I don't know if Brandon Ingram will still be around. I don't know if Kyle Kuzma will still be around. I don't know if Lonzo Ball will still be around. I don't know if Moritz Wagner will still be around, but that's five young guys right there that could be there. Three of those five guys there, that's a really good team 2021. I agree with you, I, but as you look at what AD is doing here. Let's, look at, let's take a look, quick look at every team he's eyeing, okay? Let's start from the bottom, New York. Pretend Jimmy Butler gets, you know, let's say Jimmy Butler goes to New York because he's obviously discontented where he's at right now. Yes. That team has Jimmy Butler, Christoph Porzingis. You bring him in. You never know who else they can pull in. That team could be a finals contender. Philadelphia, we know their situation. We know Philadelphia is a young team with an extremely bright future. Why wouldn't he want to play with that roster? They are going to be a finals contender for the next five, six, seven years. Boston Celtics, we all were, were, were hell, we're a Celtics podcast. We know what their situation is. He is eyeing only teams with great futures. So when you talk about L.A., L.A. is a you know, team with a bright future here, even without LeBron in a couple years. But there are other – when you look at Philly, New York, and Boston in this contest, there are some really big heavy hitters that, that L.A. will have to compete with here. 
uh, come his free agency. And there's also on that on those out of those teams, the one that looks like they'll have the best cap space deal looks like LA. My humble opinion. Well, what if what if Brandon Ingram breaks out and then he gets another contract and he 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 soaks up a big one and then what if Lonzo Ball balls out and then he's going to be at the end of his rookie year and deal and we'll see what he gets. I mean, the thing is, LA's in a situation where they're young, but by 2021 they're going to hit that cap space issue like Boston's going to hit soon here, where all their good young players are going to be up for new renewals, and that's when money's going to be such uh, interesting. Yeah, but but so will the 76ers. And so will the Celtics. Yeah, and then, actually, come think of it, no, L.A. doesn't have the best situation. You're right. New York does. Exactly. New York might be the dark horse here. Honestly, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because we're talking about 2021. I know. I know. It's, it's three just, years from now. And that shows how good Anthony Davis is. We're sitting here on a <laughs> podcast in 2018 talking about a single player who was up for free agency in three years, and we're sitting here talking about him because he's one of the top five players in this league, and he's a guy who will change the face of a franchise and make whoever he goes to an instant title contender no matter what. So what does it mean for Boston? Right now it doesn't mean anything, right? You know, right now they're focused on now. We Turns out after all these all these rumors and everything with AD come, you know, in the last few years, turns out – so everybody forgot, everybody, analysts across the country, ESPN, Bleach Report, NBA.com, everybody forgot about something called the Derrick Rose rule, which makes Anthony Davis untradeable to Boston. So right now, Boston isn't worried about Anthony Davis. Right now, they can't even trade for him. For those out there who don't know what the Derrick Rose rule is, I'm just going to run it by real quick just to kind of keep everybody up the tabs here because it seems like it's a rule that nobody really knows about. Essentially, the Derrick Rose rule, allows for players that finish a rookie contract to sign for a 30% against the salary cap versus 25% um, if they hit certain thresholds. Those thresholds are if you win an MVP, if you are a two-time All-NBA team um, mention, or were voted in as an All-Star starter. In Anthony Davis's case, he was an All-Star starter in his rookie contract. So that keeping in mind, teams cannot trade for a player – that has a Derrick Rose rule attached to him if they have a player already on their roster with the Derrick Rose rule attached. That guy on Boston's roster is Kyrie Irving. He also ah. – Yeah, so Kyrie Irving has a Derrick Rose rule attached to him, so there is no way that that could happen. They can't trade for Anthony Davis. So right now we have nothing to worry about, but it's just something to keep an eye on moving forward in you know three years. I know it's three years, but that could bolt Boston into another five years of contention there. And I know everybody's thinking that Kyrie will stick around Boston, but I mean, we still got to see him sign the piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody says wait till the ink dries, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. So, like, when we talk about the time period here, we're talking about 2021. Al Horford will probably be on his way out. Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward are going to have decisions to make by then. Um, it's going to be an interesting year where if you sign, if Boston pulls off a deal like AD that keeps Gordon, that keeps Kyrie, and that keep, that pulls in a guy like him, Boston's title window looks goes from five years to ten years. You know what I mean? It, it instantly moves that window 
and turns into, into a dynasty versus just like five year span here. So that's what I mean. That's why it's so important to even talk about now, three years ahead of time. I mean, I, I, I feel like in three years you could let Gordon walk and it'd be fine, but. <laughs> hey man, don't. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Gordon, Gordon might be. You'll, everybody's going to see this year. Nobody really knows what Gordon's going to do, but everybody, Gordon Hayward could be the difference maker here this year. I mean, I really do love that guy as a basketball player. So don't sweep my boy Gordon. All right. <laughs> you just like our forward. That's all there is to it. <laughs> um. All right, moving on from that, speaking of Gordon Hayward, a um, couple of practice notes here for everybody out there listening. Um, Gordon Hayward has a, back, a little bit of a back um, back pain going on right now. Uh, I know that him and Kyrie, Kyrie has a rib problems. Um, both of those guys are going to be returning to practice this week ahead of the season opener, um, but they just keep in mind that there are those injury notes attached to them. So um, health-wise, they're supposedly back together 100% um, for tip-off. But there is that attached. Uh, I know that, John, you had some things you want to talk about with Gordon Hayward's back injury. Yes, this concerns me. And it's because it's, it's not because it's a back injury. Because mm-hmm. he just came off of a, a, a serious ankle injury. And now he's having back issues. Okay, so what's the first thing, you know, in, in terms of uh, – the the whole chiropractor side of aspect of it. If you have a bad ankle, what's the first thing on your body that's going to go out of whack? Probably your back. It's going to be your back, right? Because your back is the main support, especially when you're doing a lot of athletic stuff. You know, that's why you get trained when you're playing athletic uh, sports. Keep your back straight. Mm -hmm. Especially playing defense. Keep your back straight when you're running. At full speed, keep your back straight. There's a lot of power right there in that sort of um, in, in your form, keeping that back straight. So, if something went wrong with this rehab, and his ankle isn't quite there, that would be why he's experiencing back issues, and that could be a complication to that ankle injury. That's why this concerns me. Also. Normally, if you're playing basketball, you know, I, I, I'm sure we've all gone through that phase where we wanted to play basketball every day. We go out there, we shoot around, we get some friends out there, we play some one-on-one, maybe some two-on-two. When, you're, when you play basketball for an extended period of time, does your back normally bother you? No. Uh, it's never bothered me either. It's usually, if anything's going to bother me, I'm going to feel a burn in my calves, mm-hmm. my quads, my 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 ankles. That's where that's where it's going to bug me after I play for an ex- extended period of time. My legs will feel like jello. Mm-hmm. My back's again. This ankle injury might not be a hundred percent. I see. I take a little bit different side here. I think that more than anything, I think you're right. Maybe the ankle isn't a hundred percent yet, but I think that it's. Ex- I, I just don't – I minimize it because I think that it's a minor injury that might have something to do with his ankle, but that's why Brad Stevens is, Brad Stevens is going to slowly get him back up to speed. He's not going to play 25 minutes, 30 minutes a game right off the bat in, in the regular season. That's why he needs to kind of coex or, you know, slowly bring him back up to speed here. 
Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. It could be a byproduct. The back injury could be a byproduct of his ankle injury. Um, and there might be more. You know, next thing you know, he might have some some calf soreness or maybe some problems with his knee or something, you know, minor problems here and there, some tweaks because he's getting back into playing shape. He's getting back into playing full contact. So I think that, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that he has back injury due to his ankle injury, but I also think that like it's going to happen and he's just going to have to slowly get back to where he was. We all know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely, but we've also seen him really struggle with that confidence in right. this preseason. And again, we had talked about this last episode too, with the whole, you know, shooting around, um, coming down on that ankle, almost afraid that it's going to break again. And we haven't seen that confidence from him yet. So if he's having a back injury, what is that going to do to his confidence? You know, it's going to be like first the ankle, now my back. Right. Uh, I agree. I th- I do think that Gordon Hayward might be the kind of guy that will t- progress slower than others in terms of confidence, psychological effects of you know, PTSD almost of injuries. Um, some players are better than others at getting right back into it. Some players like, I don't know, a guy named Marcus Smart will dive on the floor. <laughs> freaking broken, you know, thumb five minutes into playing the game. But uh, there's other guys who like Hayward, um, a guy constantly refer to is Paul George who do take extra time. Um, doesn't mean they won't get back to where they were. Uh, but I, it's just, you're right. I think this is a perfect example of, of Gordon Hayward just going to take a little more time. He's just going to take a little more time to be where it, It's you know? tough to come back from a serious injury. Mm-hmm. And let's just hope we don't see Marcus Smart have a serious, nasty <laughs> thumb injury five minutes into the first game. Thank God, you for just jinxing us, Travis. But <laughs> no, yeah, he definitely, I think, I think a little bit of time. Um, Hayward could be fine. I'm just, I'm hoping this doesn't shatter his confidence this year. I th- yeah, and I mean, we'll see. We'll see how he actually you know progresses. But this team is deep enough to handle any sort of slowness. He's not pressured to jump right back in. He's not the he's not in Utah anymore. He's not in Utah anymore. He doesn't have to be the guy anymore on this offense. He can have his time to work back in while Jalen and Tatum and all these other guys, Marcus Morris. You mentioned him. These guys are going to be able to come in and fill in for him. They did it all last year. He's going to have time, and they're going to give it to him. And he's cannot be in a more perfect environment to come back from a major injury. And, yeah, I think that he plays better. His role is more fitting mm-hmm. when he's the guy. That's just not his calling, his personality. Yep, I agree. And I think that actually comes into a to hot take time. John, I'm going to let you go first here. It's hot take <laughs> central, guys. Here we go. As much as, as much as I have just ragged on Gordon Hayward, <laughs> I think it's I think I could expect him to score twenty points a game the last twenty games. Okay, why do you think that? Well, because I'm expecting him to score fifteen a game. Uh, a few weeks ago, I wrote about this expectancy rating uh, deal that I had put together, and. In my expectancy rating, he comes out at, I think, 15.5 points a game, something like that. So I'm expecting him to score 15. I don't think he's going to come out scoring like that at the beginning of the year from everything that we've seen. But his confidence comes back. He gets healthy. He gets worked into that rotation more and more, and he gets his minutes back. Gordon's going to put some points on the board, and it's going to be at good times. 
And I think 20 points a game isn't too, you know, unreasonable the last 20 games of the season. I think especially the last 20 games. I think that's the key here. I think 20 games ahead of playoffs where he'll finally start kind of getting back into his normal self. 20 is realistic. He averaged 21 in Utah last, you know, two years ago. So that's that's reasonable. That's reasonable. It's hot because he's coming back from injury, but I like it. I like it. Um, I am I am certain you have one, Mister Celtics Hot Takes over there at Twitter. I I do I do have one. Uh, it's it's not Inferno Hot, but uh, we all know who, who's we all know Kyrie Irving is the best player in this roster. We know Al Horford is the leader in this roster. We know Jason Tatum might be right there in line with, you know, maybe overtaking Kyrie one day as the best player in this roster. We know Gordon Hayward is talented. Um, but my hot take here, I think that at least by the end of the first week, if not the first two weeks of the season, perhaps I'm bold to say maybe the first month, I think the best-looking player on this roster, the, the team's MVP through the first, let's say, two weeks of the season will be Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown will come out of the gates on fire. Of this starting five, John, who has the most to prove? Who of the, the starting five has the most to prove? Al Horford. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Jalen. Uh, it's Jalen Brown. It's, it's Jalen Brown all the way. We all know that. Uh, I Jalen Brown's best, best month of his entire season last year for the exception of the playoffs, was his first month. He averaged 15.4 points per game in the first month of the season last year. He comes out of the gates hot. More than ever, he's going to have to do that. This is his third year in the league now. He now has to take that next step, and this is the third year. This is the year where everybody looks for that player development. Where is that guy in his third year? That's the year that players take off. Jalen might be a little slower along because of all the ro- the talent on this roster, but he has a lot of pressure on him. You know, he's the fifth guy in this roster now. He's going to have to step up, and I think that he will look. This is my my hot take. He will look like the best player in this team the first two weeks of the season. It, you're right. It is sort of a hot take because this ro- roster is so loaded. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it's realistic. I can I could see that because Jalen was the top scorer in the preseason. You know. He looked like the best overall player in the preseason. So it's, I I think a lot of that. It's it's borderline hot take. I think it's. But, I call, I call it a hot take because I think a lot of fans out here out there, whoever's listening to this, I think will gripe that. Well, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, he's a he's he's an All Star starter. He's the guy. He he won All Star MVP. You know, he won a ring. He is the MVP of this team, right? What do you mean? On won him a ring. <laughs> different story but you know Kyrie is the best player in this roster right now and Jason Tatum might not be that far behind so that's why I think it's a hot thing I think some people out there might be like "Mm, I don't know I don't know I don't know know. I think these people should shout at us on Twitter (laughs) John John DeVogel and then yours Travis well what what other than at Celtic hot takes (laughs) and at Boss Sports Extra. Boss, boss Sports Extra, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hot take, man. At me. Tell me what you guys think. You know, if you wanna if you wanna one up me there with a hot take, see what you got. 
Oh, oh, you don't want to get NBA Twitter trying to one-up you on hot takes. <laughs> I want to hear some crazy ones, but you got to back it up. If you don't back it up, it's not a hot take. That's my take on it. All right, guys. Well, John, that's going to have to do it for us here uh, with another episode of the Boston Sports Extra Podcast. Um, remember, guys, you can find this podcast just about anywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. We actually just – just were added onto what iHeartRadio as a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So check us out there. Um, thank you all, everybody out there, for giving us a listen. Thank you, John. Uh, and be sure to just stay tuned here as we at Boston Sports Extra tirelessly work to bring the Boston sports fans great, unbiased content each and every day.